Hi everyone, welcome to episode 40 of Blood Thoughts with myself, Azri and Stephanie. Hi Stephanie, how are you today? Well, I know you're crap, but you know, for the sake of our listeners. <laughs> I mean, you? I am. I am fine. It's a bit funny that it's actually episode 40 already. Yep. Um, which is exciting. Yes, and I was actually about to suggest uh, that as probably as a reminder to myself when I edit this to talk to you about <laughs> it, that maybe we should do like some special thing for episode number fifty, which is coming up quite quickly. Um, yes. But yeah, it's you know it's it's happening. It's episode 50, uh, 40, 40. and so we're still on our continuous train. Apparently, this train is never ending. It's a never ending ride. But we are on our train of forbidden questions you're too afraid to ask. And for this episode, we wanted to talk about whether all laws are created fairly. Um, and the reason for this episode is also because we noticed quite... There are certain things happening in the media, you know, depending where you are. And it sort of inspired us to talk about, you know, the law and, you know, are there certain problems, are there certain prejudices and, you know, maybe we can get the discussion going from there. So, Stephanie, why did you, because this was something I suggested. So, Stephanie, what made you agree that this is probably an important conversation to have regarding this topic? I think... um as, as you were saying, kind of like there are so many things happening in Singapore, in the UK, where you see injustices happen and everyone has a different stance on what the ruling should be, for example. Um, and purely because this is just purely for an example point of view, um, you know, in, over the last week, we have had um, the case about the man who's going to be executed because of dealing intellectually disabled man being kind of executed because of drug dealing, which he did as a result of, you know, threats and assault um, and whether it was actually right, whether it was worth him being executed or being hung. And then in the UK, um, I'm not sure how many of you are aware of the Sarah Everard kind of case where she went missing and then they, they, actually arrested a police officer who was who actually abducted her raped her and then killed her and he's now pleading against his life sentence um charges and it's a question of like does he deserve it does he not like and who is it who it like is it up to the legal system like the legal system or the judiciary system do they have the right to decide the lives of people um is it always fair and I, I guess it's it's just an open question in terms of you know i feel like sometimes you have seen cases where you're kind of like this wasn't a fair either either on one spectrum the person wasn't punished enough or the person is being punished um not is being punished too much or you see two people having committed the same crime having had different sentences dealt to them and i guess the other part and i think we'll come to this as well is kind of once they've served their sentence how much do we accept them in terms of you know given what the the damage done to the victims like how much do we forgive them and assimilate them back to community and who's right to you know forgive them or not forgive them so so many questions in this very layered 
<laughs> topic, and that's why mm-hmm. I guess we just agreed to talk about it. Yes, and I guess I would do my introduction for it. Um, so Stephanie basically was discussing. Well, you're discussing basically a lot of the political stuff, political, criminal, justice sort of uh, issues. Mm-hmm. For me, um, admittedly, <laughs> I'm not. I I wasn't. I was aware of these things happening, but I think the bigger part was I was also looking at certain issues just happening, you know, for everyday individuals. So, for mm. example, um, you know, from a Singapore perspective, especially, uh, criminalizing people for, you know, speaking out, you know, their <laughs> honest views for certain things, right? They're not, they're not intentionally being or trying to cost like a big hoo ha whatever they just want mm. the you know to have a frank discussion with the government about certain aspects that that they are unhappy about um furthermore i felt like you know there were certain laws about you know home businesses that i felt was very unfair for you know just struggling individuals trying to make ends meet trying to help supplement their household incomes and i i think i was looking at it from very individual from a very individualistic sort of like self-preservation point of view mm. because I deal with, you know, because I used, I, I, I guess I used to, I, I am a teacher <laughs> and then I, I worked with a lot of like underprivileged and underserved communities. So when I speak to a lot of parents like that, you know, and, and they need help, for example, or they need assistance and, you know, they are so afraid to speak up to the government because they are afraid of backlash or they are afraid of, you know, really harsh consequences or having uh, whatever whatever fun- financial aid they've been provided, they are afraid that that will be taken away from them. So that mm-hmm. was my impetus for, you know, wanting to discuss this as an episode. Um, and, you know, because we are also aware that, you know, we have a very international audience, so we'll try our very best to give a, a brief background about each aspect that we're discussing and then we'll go from there. So, uh, Stephanie, do you want to start the ball rolling, or shall I? Why don't you let's go from the individual, smaller. Okay. Like in like you know from an in like inside out if that makes any sense. Okay. Um. Okay. I think one big thing that Singaporeans in general know is that you have to be very careful with the things you speak. Uh, you know whether in public, whether in private. Um, and for people who are not aware, in Singapore, it's illegal for you to have any gatherings or demonstrations without a police permit. And any demonstrations that I think is above five people is considered a criminal three. offence. Sorry, three people, thank you. The one in UK knows about the law more than I do. Uh, more than three people is considered... I did live in Singapore. <laughs> uh, so more than three is considered a criminal offence. And... There's only one particular area in Singapore called Hong Lim Park where you're actually able to go and just speak whatever you want to. But even then, I guess, you know, it, it's a bit smoke and mirrors because they could still arrest you there if they wanted to. Um, and I think mm. all these rules are in place because I understand the government's point of view. Because Singapore is a very small country and we have a lot of people from different backgrounds, races, religious beliefs, living in very close, in very in a close 
community. We are a very small island mm. nation. And so they are afraid, you know, if anyone were to start sowing discord or cause distrust or, you know, fear monger, that it could set the country into a frenzy. And let's bring in something recent. When the COVID pandemic first started last year, everyone was talking about how we needed to go into lockdown, 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 lockdown. But Singapore and the the general mentality of the Singapore public is that whenever something bad is about to hit the hit the ceiling, everyone panics, goes out and starts panic shopping, essentially wiping out supplies from the supermarkets, wiping out things from wherever they think, you know, from whatever places, uh, hardware stores, um, whatever you can think of, they are there to wipe it out. Mm. So they had to be very careful in how they crafted the public announcement and our Prime Minister went on and called it a circuit breaker. So essentially to rephrase the thing. But even then there were memes because uh, he was wearing a red tie and everyone was saying that, you know, please infer from my red tie that it is red alert lockdown, which is just a joke, you know. But yeah. I understand why. And just for our international, you know, listeners, it got so bad that all our supermarkets, all the stores actually had laws implemented where each individual could not buy more than a certain quantity of items mm-hmm. just to ensure that people will not be hoarding you know extra stuff unnecessarily so this whole sort of like you know government control on the general public discourse is in place because we tend to get very freaked out as singaporeans we tend to panic very easily we tend to you know it bring bad scenarios, bad situations, bad discussions bring out the worst in us. And I think that's why we have this enforcement in place. But I feel like there are certain times the government does certain things and as citizens, we just want to question why certain things were done. Mm-hmm. But people are afraid to because they are afraid of backlash. Even now, as I'm speaking this, my brain is running faster than my mouth just to make sure that I cover up everything I say correctly because I do not want the government or anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying. So it becomes an issue. Um, but for me, what I, what I have always tried to do is if there's something that I feel strongly about, I've always directly emailed my constituency's representatives to ask them directly about mm. whatever issues. So for me, I'm, I'm good. But I do understand there are a lot of people out there who are dissatisfied. And then it becomes a problem where they go through the wrong channels. They complain on forums. They complain on like all sorts of platforms. Never their government leaders itself. So I'm not sure whether laws about this... While I think there's a reason for them, I also think a lot of people are not really going about it the right way. Sorry, that was a very long tangential argument. No, I was... I guess a couple of things. The is this more about people not knowing the law and not knowing the right avenues to communicate? Um, I I don't know. I feel like there's two sides to this, right? On one side, to what you were saying, I can see. Unlike the big countries, you know, like the UK, the US whatever Singapore is such a small fragile community like one small thing can 
literally tear <laughs> things apart. And that's why we have these strict laws so that, you know, at least for the most part, we are a safe country. But at the same time, it also then creates this environment where people are not allowed to talk freely about issues. There is, but just because you can't protest about it openly doesn't mean that the issues aren't there. Like it still festers and bubbles within the community and there's no outlet. And that's why people end up going to forums and social media and things like that to talk about these things. And then, you know, you've seen the news about like YouTube celebrities being charged with causing disruption to the harmony of Singapore and things like that. And at the same time, like, I don't know whether it was this year or last year, but there was this ridiculous arrest or charge against someone who was protesting at the car park of Hongling Park. And it wasn't even a protest. He was holding a smiling face. And it's just kind of like, Mm-hmm. great for the law to protect the country but there should be a level of yeah nuance of you know the reason behind yeah it it is it is one of those things where you can understand why the law is in place because you know in the history of singapore there's been like racial riots and things like that and we want to keep maintain the peace but at the same time there are issues that need to be discussed openly and I guess there is no forum for people to do that. And it has festered. And then now there's social media. So people are taking to social media to talk about these things. And not everyone is media trained or eloquent to know the right thing, like how to express the opinions. Because people sometimes are just agitated and frustrated and they just say things. And is it right to just charge them? Um, just because they've said something that's not, yeah, it is, it is a tricky one. And then there is, like, I think in Singapore, especially, there are a lot of cases where minority, um, like YouTube personalities or social media personalities or influencers have spoken about topics like racism and things like that, where they've been charged with creating disruption because they've raised such issues and you're like so I'm not allowed to share my own experiences because this is going to help other people like there's this kind of double-edged what is probably not the right word like contradiction of there's nowhere to talk about it but then when you talk about it it's like oh if you talk about it everyone will think this way but then every single person who's silent has felt that way but only one person has spoken up about it kind of a thing. So I don't know whether I made any sense, but I feel like it's a, a balance of a lack of knowledge in terms of what is the right means to do things, but also should the law be lenient in terms of allowing people to express issues that need to be addressed in a more open way? I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure because actually, you know, when you are you were saying that, um, I was just thinking. You know, I I guess I think everyone can sort of um relate best to COVID because this is you know something that you know 
the world is experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, there was a Singaporean woman who was charged uh, for not wearing a mask. Yeah, for not wearing a mask. She was charged to 16 week, weeks of jail. Now, I was actually looking at her case while, you know, while earlier today, basically, because I was thinking that if we were to discuss this. So, there were a slew of cases. So, basically, she had not um, been wearing a mask several times. And then uh, she first got a fine, which is basically mm-hmm. the standard uh, practice right now in Singapore that you have a fine of 300 Singapore dollars. And she failed to pay the amount we don't know whether she refused to or she ignored it or she missed it i don't know it doesn't say and later on she was charged in court uh for the offense and was basically charged with 16 weeks jail and it's the these sort of things where i think to uh, stephanie your point where sometimes it does feel like Yes, the law is there for a reason, right? Sort of like to protect. In in this case especially, is to sort of like curb, mitigate, control the spread of COVID, which if you follow the Singapore news, is is pretty bad. It's really bad, honestly, in Singapore right now. Mm. And so these measures are basically to sort of like deter people from, you know, creating more problems. So wear a mask, and if you don't and you're caught, you have to pay a fine. And she did not. She was caught. She was given a fine and then failed to pay it. Now, we don't know whether she did not have enough money for it or she was ignoring it. But 16 weeks jail, it it does feel a little bit harsh. I I don't know. Maybe maybe from my, my point of view. I'm guessing she was also set as an example. So that, you know, anyone else who sees it will be like, okay, you know, I'm not going to mess with it. But do you want to say something? No, I was just going to say, um, she was also rude to, like, people who... It's the same woman we're talking about, right? Like, you know, when... Um, she's the ex-military one, right? She was the one, I think, there were a lot of videos of her. Um, where... Short hair? Yeah. yeah. And, like, when yeah. people were, like, um, security guards and people were telling her to wear her mask... She was very... Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Arrogant about it. Um, and I'm not saying... And, like, to your point, right? Like, who's to judge if 16 weeks is harsh or not harsh? Like, do you know what I mean? Because I was thinking about a similar situation with that British guy who refused to wear a mask even when he was fucking in the court. Not fucking in the court. That came out really wrongly. Yeah. <laughs> when he was... Yeah, court he still refused to wear a mask but he was given what two weeks of mental health oh he was two weeks of jail i think and then he was deported and you're like okay he didn't wear a mask he he refused to respect the law even in like when he was charged for Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. why is it two weeks versus 16 weeks like and i think it comes down to like who is who's the right person to like none of us are like, I can feel all 16 See, weeks is I great because you're so rude. Like, I you know what I the mean? Issue, yeah, exactly. I think the issue is because you were saying earlier, right, who are we to judge whether it's harsh or not? So that was my point of view. Like, mm. I feel like maybe it's a bit harsh because I know that other cases was not 16 weeks. So mm. it feels like... I, I think this is not really a case of, like, harsh or lenient leniency mm. but it, it's more like a lack of consistency fairness. 
fairness, mm. consistency, and a sense of complete unawareness of gravity. Because you have similar, similar cases, similar scenarios, and this expatriate, you know, you could argue, oh, him being deported is, is a very bad thing. But he wasn't sent to the gallows, for example. He was just deported, sent back to his home country. But Where have, he can freely not wear a mask and walk around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas you have this local person who, okay, was rude and stuff, but was ex-military, you know, contributed, you know, I, I hope, I, I, I like to think that she contributed well and Stephanie's making a face mm-hmm. because she's a bit cynical. <laughs> Um, no, no, as in, I'm just saying that even if you ignore everything, if you just look at the instance of what yeah. was done, I think the bigger issue is maybe not even a fairness of law, it's an inconsistency of law. And I wanted to segue mm. this because we did talk uh, many months ago when we first started this episode about women, women's, women's rights and, you know, being believed when they were speaking out about, you know, sexual assault or abuse or rape, whatever it may be. And there were the two cases, as several cases in Singapore, and you had, I'm sorry to say, but we had the two uh, Chinese um, men who were basically given very light sentences. Not even mm. sentences, right? They were just given, like, counselling. They were basically asked... Pat on the back? Yeah, they were given counselling <laughs> because they were, they were claimed to be... Uh, um, to have a future. To have a future because of their standing, the academic standing. And then several weeks later, there was an Indian man who did almost similar offences and he was given two years jail. And then it becomes, okay, the law is there to protect women, right? The, the basic law is there to protect women. And then you have these offenders and then you have two that got away with just counselling. And then you had this other man who got two years in jail and then I guess you could argue oh oh Azri maybe it's a different judge maybe you know it's a different uh, prosecution team maybe you know the defense wasn't very strong in presenting evidence but shouldn't someone be there saying that hey you know I'm looking at the past dockets and you know we just gave like these people counseling so it's either we give this guy counseling or we need to send those two to prison like Shouldn't mm. there be a sort of like a checks and balances, some sort of review, uh, a review team to look into all these past cases and say, hey, the law has to be upheld, obviously, right? Shouldn't mm-hmm. we ensure that whatever it is, we give out, we meet out punishments fairly, at least? Because if you're not even doing that fairly, then we can't even have a conversation about whether the law is fair when you're not you're not even like dishing out punishments consistently what do you think I don't mm. know. no I, I, that's exactly it right and then like, this is just one case or one example but you can pull out so many parallel cases where you can sit and be like why is this person given this charge but the other person giving this charge and some people sentenced to life some people sentenced for whatever and ultimately, who is calling the shots? And then, then you go down to the level of, you know, is the is the system racist? Is the system ageist? Is the system like, um, you know, like th- there are all these questions, right? Um, and 
Yeah, go on. Sorry, I just wanted to add an addendum because, um, you know, I do tell some of my friends about our podcast and stuff and I, I do tell them that, you know, sometimes Stephanie and I do argue and we basically, I mean, we, <laughs> we do disagree on certain things. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are certain times I, I do tell them I feel like Stephanie sees things very cynically, like really like, <laughs> and I see things very differently. But I think in this, especially in this case of law, Sometimes you just can't help but think that maybe there is a factor of racism or prejudice because you you look at all the cases and you can't help but like hey all the all you know if you look at what happens to different groups side of people, by side you compare exactly you compare them side by side you you can't help but notice hey something is going wrong somewhere and I think we need to address that but sorry continue no exactly and. I, sometimes I think about, you know, the, the whole incel cases that have been popping up. Like, when, when um, like, a Muslim man or a brown man starts killing people, it's a terrorist, and then you have a white incel man in Plymouth killing eight women, and he's mentally ill or unstable. And you're like, but they both just killed 10 people, so why is one a terrorist and one not? And why is one being charged... To, to death or life sentence and the other being charged to counselling or <laughs> mental rehabilitation um, I mean I feel like the examples go on and on and it just comes down to who's calling the shots right like and should lawyers or judges be accountable for I don't know what like I mean I have couple of lawyer friends and never thought to actually ask them this but you know if if I was the lawyer of the brown man for example and I'm not saying what he did was right or wrong and I'm not like fighting for him to be you know be sentenced in a more lenient way Mm -hmm. but at the same time I could if I were the lawyer I could have easily said side by side and compare he was a pervert the NUS Chinese boy was a pervert. <laughs> Why is he getting counseling and I'm not? Like that could easily be a case, right? Um, but why doesn't that happen? Or is it an age thing? Is it a race thing? Is it a yeah, like <laughs> and is it dependent on your the judge's biases? Like because sometimes it feels like a very personal decision sometimes. It's like Especially, I think, in in the UK, they have a, oh, bloody hell, what's that called? The panel of people who are... Oh. The jury? Jury, yes. <laughs> yes. Jury. <laughs> That's exactly the yes. jury duty. Where people, like, common people are called to, you know, sit in a panel and, like, in like listen to the arguments from an unbiased perspective and provide. But even then you think about the jury panel and you think, are there anyone who's racist in here? Are there anyone who's, you know, has already preconceived biases? Like, how do you, like, as a lawyer, someone, you can be trained to be, um, be aware of your unconscious bias, but as a jury panel, how can you be sure that people don't have their predisposed biases? Like, even before you listen to the case, if someone is an incel or if someone is a racist, like you automatically there <laughs> the way that they perceive yeah, their perspective is different right like you can present all the evidence in the world but if your 
first impression, your perspective is flawed. It's a very human, like you can't, it's a very human thing. And it, that's why it's like, as far as you want law to be rational and what you were saying, Azri, earlier, like consistent, the people calling the shots are people and humans with biases and feelings. So how can it be rational? I don't know. And yeah, I, and like on the surface level, there might be cases that might seem very similar side by side, but maybe when you dig deeper, there are differences. So there are, this person might have three weeks versus two weeks. I don't know. Sometimes when I <laughs> think about, you know, sentences, it reminds me of confession in church. <laughs> I don't know whether, you know, like how confession works, but basically you go to the priest and tell about the sins you've committed in the last however many weeks or months or years since the last time you've been to confession. And he will say, oh, you can get penance by saying 10 Hail Marys or the rosary or like whatever. And it's like, who is the priest to tell you just because you lied to your mom last week, you say three Hail Marys. And then, oh, if you, if you cheated on a test, you say 10 Hail Marys. Like it's, it's kind of like that. Like when you think about a judge's sentence, <laughs> like, and oh then I'm like, God. What, why am I saying three versus 10? Like, is this a more severe mm. sin? Like, you know, it's like mm. things like that. It, it's so intangible sometimes. And it's kind of, and also like, even when you, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, but even after, like, even if you say someone is charged for 16 weeks or two weeks or however it might be, what is the guarantee that that person is going to change? Because the whole point of a punishment is like it's a time for reformation or like you know self-reflection and repentance like how do you know one person's going to repent in three weeks versus another person's going to repent in five weeks so yeah um <laughs> interesting the catholic church confession example was very interesting but I mean, I, I think this is not really a conversation of slamming laws, right? Because, I mean, mm. the thing is, I, I think I just want to preface this for, you know, this episode that we know that it's not easy. Like, human society as a whole has had to figure out, you know, criminal justice together. It's not something that there was a rule book that was just, like, thrown down from the sky and then we all just, you know, worked with it. It's just... Yeah, it's just something that we sort of crafted for our own society based on what works. And then, you know, that's why you have people arguing against, you know, countries with um, religious laws, right? Like, for example, Poland is strictly following the Christian Christian church laws. You have countries that follow the Sharia laws, which is the Islamic um, set of rules. So we, I guess, you know, every country, every community, every society does the best it can with what it knows. But... I, I I think the conversation here is there are certain problems, especially inconsistency. Now, one thing that you did say, uh, that was just remind me of something. So I just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go into a tangent before I start my uh, other example. Is you know I was watching this old show that I'm not gonna name, and in one of this in the first in one of these episodes, basically there was this um mid Middle Eastern man who uh whose car blew up. 
near a cafe and four people died and 15 were injured. I still remember the conversation from the episode. And immediately the, te- the tension in the story, sorry, the, the, the threat in the story was like, okay, he's a terrorist, you know, he is seeking to destabilize the country, da 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 because of his race. And then, like, late, much later on, you know, they found out that actually he's innocent and, you know, the story tries to, tries to, mm. you know, go back on track again. And I'm like, this is sort of like how fear and fear-mongering sort of starts, like, with these kinds of narratives, which I, I understand if they wanted to do this as a compelling story, but you need to address it early on. You don't let it drag all the way to the end and then make the guy innocent because mm. the takeaway from the story is people are just going to think that, you know, your first thing is to assume that a certain person with a certain appearance is considered a certain way. And I'm saying it that way so that, you know, no one misconstrues mm-hmm. what I say. So I think there's something that, you know, is, is something that we need to improve on in many facets, right? Uh, even I myself am guilty of it. I admit, uh, you know, when I was writing uh, Ring of Promise, there were apparently certain things that I wrote that, you know, a few people pointed out that was mm. very, that could be a bit harsh and mean yeah. and that I had to change it, which I did. So I'm very thankful that they pointed it out. So I think we all have our own inherent biases. It's based on how we grew up and our social constructs. But we also need to be aware of it and be open to, you know, wanting to improve and Challenge. get better. But one law that I do want to talk about, and I'm not sure whether it's a so-called a law or more like a law slash practice, is mm. tax, <laughs> taxation basically, business tax. Now, this admittedly started because I, I do have a lot of friends in other countries. Uh, specifically, when I was talking about this, I was talking to my friends in the United States. And, you know, one of them was very aggravated because they were going to be audited by the IRS, which is basically the governing body for taxation in the country. And, you know, they are, I would say, a below average, very, very humble American family that has like two kids and you know they're all working I think both the parents are working two jobs and their oldest son just started working as well to help with rent and you know saving up for to Mm. pay off the mortgage and all that stuff and they are going to be audited and it made me question should the government really be worrying about these average people who are struggling to think about whether they can afford rent or food for the next couple of weeks when, you know, there's so much conversation about so many giant tech companies and corporations. And I know people are very tired of hearing this topic over and over Mm. again. But I think for me, my argument is like, why are you so worried about the average, the below average American or the below average Joe and not looking at like all these companies and seeing if they are exploiting loopholes or whatever it is, right? Because I don't think someone who's tr- who a family of three that has a total of five jobs is smuggling money under the couch. I think they are have they have more concerns than that, and it breaks my heart that you know they are the ones you know going through this additional stress on top of their workload and extra whatever and chores and all this stuff when you have all these big companies that's just running off you know which 
I mean, okay, you know, some companies are doing. Uh, Speaking of our last episode, <laughs> based on last episode, like they they do provide certain services, important services to the world, which fair, mm. but it does feel like you know again, the fairness. Where's the fairness, and where's the sort of like where's the level playing field? Yes, where's the living level playing field, and is an average American, a below average American, the same as giant? billion dollar worth companies so what do you think <laughs> what do I think that, which is why I was saying it goes back to the last thing about last episode around the ethical nature of billionaires and I think that's where which comes back to my first point that I made earlier like in the beginning of the episode where the richer people the more privileged ones the more educated ones are aware of the law and they know how to work around it. And as you say, they escape or they have hacks to escape some of the laws. Whereas the less privileged, like, you know, the below average American that you were talking about, or even like any other country, they have so many things going on in their lives. They don't actually have the time or the luxury to worry about the actual laws. So they are actually misinformed in a lot of ways. And in the end, they get trapped, right? Because they don't know the law properly. So, and then when they miss a pay or they miss one thing, they're now being audited. And they even even the auditing process, they don't even know what's happening. And I feel like it's this big bullying system. And it comes back to points we've raised. I mean, it's a similar kind of thread that we've raised in the education episode and even like the previous episode where the rich are going to be richer and the poor are going to be poorer like even in when you think about you know what exactly we're saying earlier around two similar cases where one is being charged with counseling and the other one's sentenced to two years jail or whatever it comes down to a bit of privilege as well right the two boys the two chinese boys from nus were potentially privileged backgrounds just because they were in university but versus a construction worker who doesn't know that his legal rights in the country and and I feel that's where fairness of laws then the law favors whoever knows how to work around it or who knows who know like or who has access to people who, who can help fight for them in the right way, if that makes sense. And if you think about it, like even when it comes to lawyers, a lot of the defense lawyers for the rich people are, they're being paid fuckloads too. I probably shouldn't be swearing this much. <laughs> Apologies to my junior audience. Um, like they're being paid a lot. So there is a financial incentive and you kind of like, judge your moral compass as a lawyer whereas people fighting for the less disadvantaged they're not getting paid that much they are paid by the taxpayer money or i mean depending on whatever system like you know economic system you're in and then you're less inclined to have access to finding the evidence needed or you don't have the same amount of resource to find the evidence i feel like every episode comes down to money which really frustrates me. <laughs> but I think 
to your yeah. point around the taxation laws, I, I feel like the unfairness in the taxation laws also kind of stretches to other laws because your your legal right to access to a lawyer also depends on money, right? Like someone can get a big shot lawyer or you can have an amazing community lawyer, but that amazing community lawyer probably doesn't have the resource to hire the right people to get the evidence you need. And it's it's just little things like that, right? Like to support your case or fight for your case. And yeah, which is the sad, sad world we are in. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Oh, uh, my God. As Azri said, I am the cynical one and Azri is the more positive one and I'm hoping you have a positive spin on this. The reason why I brought it up is because I think for me, and especially I think we talked about this, uh, when we started this podcast last year, it was at the thick of COVID, it was lockdown, and mm. it was a time where a lot of people were exploring, um, you know, doing their hobbies, they were trying to profit or you know monetize their their you know their normal pursuits right whether mm. it's cooking or you know sewing tailoring mm. whatever it may be, and I actually was very heartened by the so called entrepreneurial spirit that people were showing because I felt like you know people were like exploring other things that they really cared about things that they really enjoyed. However, I also am aware that there are a lot of people who are doing it because the it's survival mode. It's a survival concern for them because they're trying to mm. you know make ends meet especially last mm. year you know the word I think the word that Stephanie loves to use is people were furloughed and um, <laughs> you know a lot of companies were like you know dismissing workers and all that stuff because they just were not making enough profits basically mm. to pay their workers so I got a bit concerned because apparently you know like I had some friends who were telling me that you know even in Singapore right they were like basically being regulated or you know their neighbours saw that they were like selling stuff and then they got a cease and desist for example from the government and mm. I felt like it it was a time that the government should have stood with these people because mm-hmm. these are not criminals they're not selling drugs they're not selling you know illegal Pernafalia, they're not selling, you know, like bad stuff basically. Yeah, yeah. They're selling food, they're selling like, you know, clothes, they're selling just normal everyday things uh, that they've created in their homes. And mm. they're trying to create a business out of it. So mm. I, I don't understand the sort of like almost laser focus need to police these sort of private and personal uh, ventures and I guess you chose a very interesting phrase Stephanie because like um, you said you know certain lawyers that defend the small people are paid you know probably by taxpayer dollars so a country you know whether it's Singapore US or wherever it is you know there's a need to ensure that mm-hmm. taxation occurs regularly and properly for people so that you know the the country itself has like a natural reserve of money um but i guess it goes back to my point of like you know the small people i i don't know i just feel like they're not really hiding money in their sofas and stuff but like you said right um you brought up a very good point that those who are more capable more aware have more connections know how to go around it and for anyone who's interested i strongly recommend reading about the theranos scandal 
So Theranos, if you're interested, there are two documentaries. Uh, Bad Blood, I think it's by ABC. And mm-hmm. there's another one. Um, the Investor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. So basically, it's around this uh, woman, Elizabeth Holmes, who basically conned people out of billions, basically, investors of like a, probably more than a billion dollars for mm-hmm. a machine called Edison Machine that was supposedly able to run hundreds of tests on a single drop of blood. And obviously, it couldn't do it. Uh, but, you know, she was lauded as like this amazing, you know, pioneer breakthrough and stuff. And, you know, when questions started rising about the authenticity of her statements and the credibility of her company, uh, she had this very powerful lawyer by the name of David Boyce, B-O-I-E-S. And basically, he destroyed any dissension or any dissenting voices, like, you know, any companies that came up, any people that were whistleblowers, they were basically threatened by, you know, legal action. And they essentially became very afraid until, you know, the evidence started mounting to the point even this lawyer with all his power and clout could not stop it anymore. But I think that's what Stephanie is trying to say, that, you know, that if you have the resources, I guess you can get away with it. But mm. I, I, you know, I'm not in the United States, uh, neither is Stephanie. I've lived my entire life in Singapore. I've always maintained that Singapore is a wonderful place to live in. There are faults, there are problems, uh, there are certain limitations, but, you know, for what it's worth, I am thankful. So I think that laws, whether it's here, UK, Australia, they're all in place for a reason. And generally, the law initially is in place to protect everyday people, us, Mm -hmm. everyday people like us. Um, I guess this conversation is about, you know, sometimes there are certain things that happen, certain loopholes that are exploited, certain people who are conmen that get away, um, or people are privileged, they are able to abuse the system, and it's sad, it's heartbreaking. And although Stephanie doesn't like it, and neither do I, but I'm not <laughs> sure how we ever get away from a topic about money, unless we start becoming like, talking about gossip, I guess. But even then, only goes so far. And I, I think we sort of enjoy the fact that we are also creating conversations and hopefully creating some sense of education and, you know, awareness among people. Because that's how you enact change, right? By education and awareness and letting people know what's happening. So, yeah. Yeah, like I honestly think we can never get away of the the money problem. But I, I guess it's, as you said, right, it's about, because I feel like a lot of the times people judge you based on the way you present yourself, the way you look. And if you're rich, there is this kind of, not expectation, like assumption that, you know, oh, they must be fine. Like, why would they do something criminal sort of a thing? Um, whereas if you're from a less disadvantaged community, then it's kind of like, oh, they are criminal anyway, like they need to be punished more. And I, I feel like that kind of fundamental bias is probably part of the reason why there is inconsistencies in in law. And maybe it's, I think part of our job is to question that, right? Like, just because you have a 
millionaire son um, as a drug lord. Uh, I'm making this up, like, or a millionaire, you know, having um, not paid his taxes or whatever versus a family of five barely can survive and faced with a tax charge. I feel like people, even if we can't change the law, and I mean, I in no way have any knowledge of the law to kind of change it, but I guess at a fundamental level is compassion and understanding, or like, at least we're open. I hope that we are opening up minds to kind of help people like stop and think before they judge at the very least because I think it's easy to judge people based on things but at least if we kind of raise these issues like you know you just kind of take a moment to stop and not judge um yeah and I, I guess that's kind of part of our aim even if a lot of these forbidden questions we're asking we have no answers to apart from leaving every episode being like this world is a bit shit <laughs> I I mean I don't know I mean I mean you could argue that for anything right like like there's always mm. there's always a flaw in anything whether yeah. it's in a person nothing's perfect in in yeah right nothing's perfect in a person in our like even even from a cellular level there's always like cells that are not created equally and then there's phagocytosis and whatever to basically destroy <laughs> the cells so even on a cellular level you know nothing is ever completely perfect i just had to go science there for some i yes. don't know why that was the first analogy that entered my head oh sorry what okay go on but i i think what i'm trying to say is that i i think for the most part the law in general is doing a good job because for the most part, we're not having a mass exodus of people. We're not having genocides. You know, like like we're not having mass genocides all over the world. That sort of stuff. So, yes, we are getting some traction in the right direction. It's not perfect, but it's a start. And I think that whenever we talked about you know billionaires, or whatever, I think for me, what I would say would be my glass half full would be that you can be successful. <laughs> you can be insanely <laughs> successful but let's now work towards creating individuals who are going to be insanely successful and have a moral compass right like that would be the next frontier or when we create um ai that like now we are sort of like moving into automation right that mm. we don't forget our workers we don't forget you know the farmers that have been toiling for us like for so long so mm-hmm. I think our conversations, while sometimes they don't come to a finite answer, a definitive answer, or sometimes it just feels like it seems bleak, for me, I feel, at least, it's also impetus to show us that whatever progress is still progress, and that we can still move forward we, we have to make the choice, like, basically. We have to make the choice. Oh, wow, I went singlish there. We have to make the choice. We have to make the choice of moving, whether we choose to move positively or regress and move <laughs> backwards, right? And I think, that's, I think that's a challenge now, right? Because, like, like, now with climate, with environment, with human rights, whatever, 
where are we? There are certain places where you could argue that the scale is starting to tip and it's not tipping in a positive side. It's sort of going to the other side. And I'm not, I'm not going to mention which scenarios. It's up to you to decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I want, I've always sort of enjoyed these podcast episodes because I like to think that then, you know, we can inspire people to have these conversations and think about what they can contribute. Yes. So, yes. Uh, so Stephanie, with that, you know, like, um, I'm, I'm aware that we suddenly like almost gone an hour into it, and I was so worried that we would not have enough material for this episode. But um, did you have anything else that you wanted to add on to, you know, like a final closing statement? Something hopeful for the something, something hopeful for this. I I guess it's what you were saying. Like, at the very least, I think it's awareness of recognizing some of these flaws in the system and not taking them at surface level like not even the laws but like you know the people being charged the the judge like I think there is a certain level of compassion you need to have for judges and lawyers because they are in extreme like situations when they're making these decisions and just like any other profession you can never be right or wrong um, there is no right or wrong answer and it's really like up to personal judgment really um, and I, I guess it's kind of having that human empathy and compassion for everyone involved in terms of yeah I guess recognizing you know does this person have access to the right people the right evidence the right resources what kind of situation is the judge in to actually make this call um, and I don't think we will ever be in a world where the laws will be fair or the laws will be consistent because of these very basic human reasons of it's ultimately a human opinion. There might be laws to guide it, but the ultimate judgment is a human opinion. So it's more being aware of, you know, what's underneath all of that process of coming to a judgment call and being empathetic and compassionate and understanding about it. I don't know whether that's positive enough. <laughs> well, you tried. You tried. Okay. It was a good attempt. It's a good attempt. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if this episode in the future inspires people to be lawyers or to be in the, you know, to be in the civil, I don't even know what sector it's called, the law sector, mm. The, the criminal justice system basically or you know to to be to be graduate law students you know who knows um but yeah you know i hope that whatever it is uh you enjoyed listening to us and having a conversation with us uh please remember as always that we have a facebook page and an instagram page at underscore blurred thoughts so you can always let us know you know your comments your feedback your suggestions even uh and you know, if you wanted to reach to each of us personally, for some reason, I do get messages from people personally. I think some episodes where I mention my Instagram <laughs> handle, people latch on to that. So uh, it's Miss Carl Azri from me, and it's chronic the chronic cynic for Stephanie, if you'd like to reach to each of us personally. So as always, mm-hmm. thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, once again, for the final time, I'm going to put a disclaimer that, you know, these are just our personal opinions, and we are strongly for all the law you know, the judiciary systems, the criminal justice systems, the law, in wherever they may be. And we just like to point out, you know, there are certain things that we need to work on as a society, as a government, as 
as the world really so hopefully you enjoyed thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next thursday bye bye bye